John Barrows, Jay Barrows Consulting on Make It Happen Monday. Hopefully you all had a fantastic weekend and awesome week last week. I know it was somewhat of a down week, but hopefully you either got shit done or you got your head mentally right to go crush it for the second half here. And I am telling you right now, this is one of the podcasts I've been looking forward to the most because Armin from Drift said something a little while ago that blew my mind and I've been trying to figure it out ever since. And so we're going to dive into that today. But Armin, you want to say hi to everybody and give them a little bit of background of where you're from and what you're all up to these days? Sure, sure. Hi, everybody. How's it going? I'm Armin Zildjian. I'm the VP of sales here at Drift. Normally, my beard does not look like this, but my sales team crushed it at the end of the quarter and I let them do what they will with it. So they picked this nice color orange that uh, makes me look like a little bit of a Armenian Irishman or something like that. Um, so I've uh, been, in, been in tech sales 22 years. I've been leading uh, sales teams at companies like um, Log Me In, uh, Dine, uh, GrabCAD and uh, and now at Drift and uh, and a little bit at Sophos as well and uh, really just love being part of the Boston scene love being part of the SaaS scene uh, growing up and cutting my teeth and learning from some of the best in the business in the Boston scene uh, of leading and running sales organizations for the last twenty years so glad to be here. Love it, man, and thanks. And I love the beard, too. We were talking about it beforehand. Just to let everybody know, if you go look at Armin's uh, LinkedIn photo, he does not look like it's, 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 it's jet black. You got to have commitment. Yeah, and how many how many times did you have to diet to even get to that point? They, this this was three bleach jobs, and it got to this color. So wow, uh, skin is still it's a little bit a little bit of pain. Yeah. <laughs> so well, first of all, congrats to your team, man. And, and yeah, you, thanks. And like you said, any, anything to do, you know, to get them motivated, whatever. <laughs> um, but here's here's the premise of today's conversation is like I said, I think this was probably six or nine months ago, almost when we first met, um, where you said something that got my mind really churning in a lot of ways. And it was that we do things as sales reps that automatically trigger the buyer to go into a certain mode Mm -hmm. where they stop engaging with us Mm -hmm. and they start just, okay, now I'm at this stage of the sales process. So this is what my response should be like. And, you know, the the easy example here is sales rep face to face in a meeting, having a good conversation, setting a stage, blah, blah, blah. And then after all the little qualifications, niceties, the laptop comes open, the presentation goes up and the client immediately goes from engaged and having a conversation to, Okay, it's now my time to consume content and not engage, right? Which is right. not what we want in a demo. Mm-hmm. So I know Drift in general is is trying to change marketing. So do you want to kind of first of all give a little bit of an overview of what Drift is trying to do from sure. a marketing standpoint, but then lead that into what are some of the areas that you see us as sales reps doing and things that we're doing that are automatically triggering that buyer response that we need to shake up a little bit. Sure, sure. So uh, Drift is, a, a, is a, a platform that's bringing conversations back to sales and marketing. And so we've created the world's first conversational marketing platform. And what that means is a lot of people think we're just chat. And we do use chat as part of our functionality to engage with customers. But at the end of the day, um, most of uh, most of the history of buying has always been facilitated by uh, an, an end user or a customer having a conversation with a salesperson from the beginning of time, right? And in the last 20 years or so, it's changed in 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 a way that probably hasn't changed much prior to prior to the last 15, 20 years. And that's we've increased all this automation and all this process in between the customer who wants some information 
and the sales rep. Uh, and, and the challenge right now is customers through the consumerization of IT and a lot of uh, available apps and things on these devices can get whatever they want, both answers to questions and buy things pretty quickly now. Mm -hmm. So the behavior as a human of buying is changing, right? And so if you think about it, when they come into work, they don't stop being human. Um, they come in and they have those tendencies. And we believe in our placing a bet on the conversations have to come back into the into the fray in a really weird, really real and human way, and that um, uh, buyers are no longer gonna, uh, going to gravitate towards uh, businesses that choose to continue to keep them at arm's length, give me all your information, and then I'll engage with you or answer all the questions I have for you, and then I'll give you what you want, right? And so for us, uh, getting the conversation going uh, between the buyer and the seller is, is a, of premier importance now. And what we started to notice was uh, and where it started was, hey, people come to your site right now, and the traditional way is they fill out a form, and then a BDR qualifies them, and then gets qualified over to a salesperson. That process can take a couple of hours, or it can take a couple of weeks, we've seen uh, uh, in really poor cases. And what we say is, hey, listen, buyers coming to your site, no matter where they are in the buying process, from early stage sort of research to, hey, I got uh, a fistful of dollars in my hand, and I'm trying to spend them with you. Most of the time, they get the exact same experience, which is fill out this form and someone will get back in touch with you. And what we say is, if you're putting the buyer first uh, and saying, hey, you've taken the time out of your day to come to my site and get information, I should do the courtesy of being there and, and, and giving you information. A lot of companies are apprehensive about that because oh, I got a support question or it's it's not a really good fit and therefore they're not qualified and it's not worth the salesperson's time. And we have AI and some and some uh, discovery process built into um, the machine learning of, of Drift to be able to screen some of that stuff out and really get to the, the heart of what leads come to your site. And so that brings me to this subject, which is if you put the customer first and you say, I'm willing to engage with you and answer questions as you come to the site. The last thing you want to do is go into a traditional sales process, because if you've triggered in the mind, oh, the, co the company cares about answering my questions and are putting me first. And then the first human contact when somebody arrives is, hey, tell me who you are, what you're doing here, and um, why should I spend more time with you, right? Um, it immediately triggers in the mind of the buyer, oh, I'm going into, I, I thought this was like this new way, right, of like, I don't have to fill out forms anymore. And I go right into the uh, the old way of buying, which is I'm going to play this role of being evasive and not answering your questions because I don't want to be chased by you for the next, you know, three weeks in okay. either an email cadence or or a bunch of calls. Um, that puts that sort of gate up right, right away. And what we want to do is say, hey, listen, we want to spend time with you because it's important for us to be able to give you the information as you need as a buyer. By the way, what we've been taught over the last probably 10, 15 years, no matter what sales process you follow, I don't care if it's Barrow Spin, you know, back to the old Basho days, uh, uh, a Sandler or anything else. Buyers are used to now what we teach as sales leaders to our teams, the qualification questions, whether it's BANT, whether it's medic or any other any other qualification. And they intuitively know when they've been put into that process by the salesperson. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what most companies are afraid of is that they can't train either a large swath of reps to be curious and ask the right questions in a normal conversation, or um, or they're worried that you know the rep will get off the phone and do a bad job and they won't get the answers to the question. They're going to do another call, but I think 
what we need to teach as salespeople is we need to teach conversations again, which is kind of strange in the at the end of the day because you know as salespeople that's kind of how we make our living, especially over the phone SaaS telesales folks, right? Um, but we need to start teaching the I think the the sort of human skills of just having a conversation, letting somebody take the lead, and in the back of your mind, knowing what the triggers are to ask a question that's important to the business that you represent and to the sales process that you're trying to drive, rather than having the sales process drive the conversation. So I'll stop there. I said a lot. That's fantastic because I think the, you know, the challenge is what you just said there is like, how do you, how do you teach that? Right. Cause okay. we, were, we were talking before this where, look, I'm, I'm 42. I've been in this industry for a while now. I built a lot of the training that I do. So my qualification calls are, they're, com- they're literally conversations. It's mm-hmm. okay. What's the priority. And I'd actually try to get all that, the prequal stuff out of the way. I, and this is a tip for everybody listening here. Uh, I call it the meeting efficiency survey. So what happens is we still, we have drift and we actually have the forms too. When somebody actually fills out a form on the landing page, they get a, hey, thanks for your interest in Jay Barrows. And it's the basic information, like what sure, comes sure. that type of thing. But then what I'll do is I'll send them, hey, uh, here's a link to my calendar. And by the way, here's a quick little meeting efficiency survey that if you just take two seconds to fill this out, it'll really help us stay focused on the conversation. And what it is, is it's, it's a survey monkey thing where it's just drop down checkbox stuff. So I don't yep. want to, you know, they don't need to type anything. It'll take them two minutes, but I'll save about 10, 15 minutes on the call. And if they fill that out, now I have all the information I need to literally just be like, okay, cool. So let's talk. Like, what are you trying to get? What are the priorities here? And now Morgan, uh, who I hired, you know, about nine months ago, you know, he's only been doing this for nine months. He's also 25 years old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I told him, okay, we need to find out this information. And I listened to some of his calls and he's doing a great job asking the right questions and those type of things. But I can tell because I do this so often that he's Go, you know, he's asking the questions and he's actually better than most in the sense that if somebody says something, he'll circle in and kind of highlight a component of our solution that'll address what they just said. Mm-hmm. But you can tell he's like, he's, he's reading, he's asking the questions that he's supposed to be asking. So right. I guess my question to you is how can we expedite the process of, of 22 years of experience, being able to know exactly when to shut down the conversation and say, okay, you just said something right there that is a home run for me to stop the presses and, and go in on because that's the reason you're going to buy for me from me um, versus a 22, 23, 25 year old kid who's given their band, given their medic, told to do this stuff and, and might not necessarily be as uh, experienced with the business or the product or any of that stuff. Yeah. How can we teach the conversation? How can we teach them to be curious and, and yeah. to literally have it while still getting the information we need? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You, you and I talked a little bit about this. I don't know if you can teach curiosity. I think it's innate in in people. And there's a there's obviously a, some sort of band that everybody falls in of being super curious versus not curious at all. And I think you need to screen for that um, in, in in your hiring process because I think it's essential to be a really good salesperson because I can't be on every call and and point out every road sign. Um, but what I can do is for curious people to tell them to inspect more, especially the good news, right? I think um, the way I think we can teach it, and again, it's teaching a new way, so I, it's not all proven, and I don't, I don't have all the answers. But my, uh, the way I do it here at Drift is I teach it through use cases, and so I think about patterns a lot. And so with uh, with salespeople. What I'm asking them to look is rather than know every nuance about either somebody's marketing tech stack or how many how many leads and what the what the conversion rates are, 
what I can do is paint them a picture of like where successful companies have uh, have or where companies have had success with drift. And here are the different patterns of three or four different groupings mm-hmm. and listen for uh, similarities or patterns in what the customer is saying about their business mm-hmm. and recognize that and be able to ac- actually reference it too. Because I think a lot of companies um, when they're being sold a product want to feel like, Hey, is it who, who has been before me in this product journey and what success have they had? Cause it mitigates a little bit of the risk. If you've got um, companies that look like me, smell like me, and have had success with your product, right? And so that's something that I think from a pattern matching perspective is easy to teach rather than right now what we teach is you have to have answers to these questions. So a person like Morgan, who God bless him, he's brand new and he doesn't have 22 years of experience. So what he's trying to do when he's a sales rep doing a really good job is in the back of his mind, the whole time of that conversation is I gotta remember that, where can I fit this question? I gotta get an answer to this question. Meanwhile, the customer's given him all this information, right. much of which might be really good, but he's not hearing that he's he's waiting for his next opening to ask, ask the next question. That's what a lot, of, I did it too as a sales rep when I was inexperienced and young and stupid and I didn't know any better and I was trying to do a good job and yeah. I just tried to hammer all the questions and I was like a bull in a china shop, just trying to get the answers to all the questions and I'm sure the person on the other line was like, who is this salesperson that's not listening to me at all? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and it's because as really aggressive, good salespeople were trying to get, we're trying to do a good job, trying to get the answers to the questions. And we're not listening at all to the conversation. I, I use that all the time when I was selling outsourced IT services, right? I used to think the pitch was the answer. I was 25, right? right? I was a VP of sales and marketing, which is a, a, why titles are a joke, but, you know, <laughs> But, uh, but I, you know, and, and so, and somebody told me early in my career that make sure the client speaks more than you, right? Because two right. years, that whole thing, right? So no joke, I did face-to-face meetings, right? And there were hour-long meetings and I would go in and I would ask my 35 minutes worth of questions. Oh my God. <laughs> and honestly, I would, it didn't matter what you said in those 35 hours, there were 35 minutes. As long as you had computers, you were getting my pitch. And, yeah. I, and for about 35 minutes in, I'd be like, thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. So anyways, we were founded in June of 2000 with three founders, one finance, one strategy, and one technical guy that really puts us in a unique position as an IT servant. And I would just go on and on and on and on and on. And I always say this, if people have been paying attention, I wrote this blog a little while ago. I used to be so proud when this happened, but now it is literally the kiss of death word. If you ever hear this word, anybody listen to this podcast or online right now, if you ever hear this word, you know you've done a miserable job. And it's, the, it's the word digest. Mm. Right? Oh, so, yeah. wow, I, mean, I used to get this. Wow, John, that, that that was really impressive. You know what? I'm going to need a little time to digest what you just told me there. Uh, why don't you circle back in a couple weeks and we'll take it from there. Does that sound fair? And I'd be like, yup. Oh, oh my and I walked out of a meeting with my sales engineer one time and in these words legit came out of my mouth. I said, I was so happy and proud of myself for crushing that presentation. I was like, that dude didn't even know what to do with the information I put in front of him. Precisely. <laughs> and I was proud of that. Right. And the, and the engineer being a God bless him engineer, right. Non, not a sales guy in any way, shape or form. Even he knew that was asinine. Like yeah. on his face when I said that was like, what did you just say? <laughs> Know what to do. And I'm like, oh my God. Uh, so now, and this kind of gets to the, the point here, which is I, I wrote a post called Sell to the 20%, right? Which is nobody gives a shit about the whole slide deck. They only care about the components that are relevant to their priorities and what they're trying to accomplish. Right. 
So going back to teaching this, um, and, and well, actually, I'm going to shift a little bit. What are some of the other areas? Because we talk about, okay, they fill out the form, they get this, they go through bank qualification. Now I know I'm in the sales process. So I then, you know, answer as little as I can. And I tell you to send me information. What are some of the other areas that you see as sales reps that we are triggering people to go into a certain mode that we really don't want them to go into that mode? Um, Probably when you're trying to sell too much to a customer. So all sales reps are trying to hit a number and, and God bless them for trying to squeeze every little penny out of every opportunity that they can. But when you try to sell too much uh, or stack a bunch of other stuff in there that potentially doesn't um, doesn't uh, provide value, it, at least potentially in that moment in time for that customer, you trigger the discount conversation most of the time. And what happens normally is, hey, Mr. Customer, you can do this. And then, by the way, we have this feature. We have this function. And you can buy this package and, and, and this service package. And, and you're trying to, like, optimize it. And you're like, oh, I nailed this. I got him. He's thinking about all this stuff. And what happens is when you try to sell too much, their, perceived, their perception of, uh, of what's valuable to them was this small chunk here. And then you stacked a bunch of other stuff on it. Now the equation of value in, the, in their head is thrown off. And they go, I got to get I got to get less for this now because I don't even see the value of all this other stuff that was stacked on it. And you trigger the discount conversation. And what often happens is you'll either lose a deal or um, you'll not only peel away all the stuff that you tried to stack onto it, you'll probably get less for the core service that they saw value in at the end of the day because you went so hard in, in that direction. Um, so I try to we adrift really try to say, hey, listen. What we're trying to do is just get people to start with the, the, the consumable amount of value that they can have at that moment in time, rather than stuff the whole cheeseburger in their mouth and say, you should eat all of it because you're hungry right now. You take this in one bite, right? So so let's make this, let's take this to bottom up versus top down selling, mm-hmm. right? Because I think, you know, the inbound stuff that hits us, whether it's on the website or, or you know, they're a form that they fill out or drift that they come in sure, and chat. Sure. Nine times out of ten, that's not a CEO saying, "Hey, I'm interested in this." Right? Yeah, that's right. Maker, it's it's a you know user, it's a it's somebody manager, something like that, looking mm-hmm. for. It. So that's that's super. You know that that's evident. Um, how do you? Here's I guess the question is is like there's all there's always this got to get to power right, and there's yeah. always that super awkward point in the conversation with a non-power person where you effectively have to say. I know you're not power. Yeah. I have to get to your boss. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think the way I coach that, uh, there's two things. First, obviously, if you're outbound, always start as high as you can. That's easy. Um, That's pretty obvious. Uh, Also, when you're inbound, um, I challenge my reps to not call the lead um, first. And what I mean by that is not the person that came to you. Mm -hmm. Take three minutes, take three minutes, do the research in LinkedIn and find out who it is you're talking to. And then do a quick outreach to uh, as high up as you can find in the organization, C-level executive, whoever might that report, that person report up to. And just introduce yourself and say, hey, I'm Armin from Drift. I see that your company is starting to show some interest in Drift. I'm not sure quite yet what the where the interest is coming from. I just wanted to introduce myself, let you know that I'll be working on your account. If you ever need anything from me, I'm happy to make myself available to you. I'm going to be following up with this, with, with this other person. And now what that does is, and it doesn't matter if they ever reply to you, what right. that does is it opened up the channel of communication. And typically, I guess, this is a little bit of human nature. If, if you've already opened up that channel of communication, if you have to use that channel of communication again, even though that person might not have replied to you, it's 
it's perceived as stepping on the person's toes less if right. you did that communication first than if you did it after I reached out to you. I like that. So that's what we start with. So it's really just a, hey, what's up? We're doing some cool stuff. Yeah. Just let you know. Yeah, and you may or may not be involved in the process. I mean, yeah. as much or as little as you want to put into that, but it's an introduction. It's like, hey, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the contact for your company and drift. If you ever need me, I'm here. If you're part of the process, great. If you're not, I'm going to be working with this person. And so you always have that ability to go back and use that card in your pocket. Now you put that in your back pocket and you work the deal. And if you've got to go above, it's not like, Hey, you've never reached out to anybody else in the organization before. I love that because I, I coach the same stuff, not necessarily using drift specific, but if somebody comes to like a lot of reps follow up on inbound leads the you know, the scored lead or whatever, mm-hmm. And I said, you know, tear them out. You don't want to do this for everybody. Get your tier ones, tier twos, tier threes. Those right. tier ones, they're yeah. coming with a legit IP address, like a legit email, you know, whatever. Take two seconds, look at their website because something happened in that business to drive that inbound thing. Okay. And, 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 you know, yeah, obviously respond to this person, but if you can look for that trigger and right. say, Hey, uh, and then almost treat them as two separate conversations to say, hey, uh, I was doing some research and I noticed this happens, which is why I wanted to reach out to you, executive, while this is happening. Now you've right. increased your chances of engagement, at least. Right. That's right. That's right. Um, so I think when we were talking early before this is like these we're going back to the triggers. Right. And so I think what you need to do as a sales as a salesperson in, in, in this day and age is we've got to give up a little bit of power, right? We want to hold all the power, but at the end of the day, that's not happening anymore with the buyers. They people that buy today use their phones all day to buy stuff without having to talk to anybody. Right. And that buyer behavior translates. They don't stop being that person when they come to work. And so they expect to have a little bit more power than they've had in the past. Mm-hmm. And we as salespeople, what we have to do is still get the things we need to get out of that conversation, but still giving the control to the consumer and in that if you can do that in a in a very tactful way you're going to have a much better sales process with somebody what we were talking about is like so when do you kind of like enforce a little bit of the sales process on the visitor while still giving the power away and i think it's like if you think about your sales process as in as in gate stepping from one per, one step to another like you as a salesperson need to collect enough information prior to showing your product so that it's a valuable uh, amount of time that that person spends with you. Otherwise, you can wander all over your product and services or give them the generic pitch. So I always say, like, listen, I'm, ha- I'm glad you came by. I'm super excited to talk to you about it. But I wanted to stop and just understand, A, where the interest came from, or B, where did you want, what did you want to see? So I can really, we only have a, a X amount of time on our call today. I want to make sure that I spend um, the most of that time focused on what you want to see, right? And so there's gates along the way that you can sort of enforce getting information from people, but still giving them the power. Yeah, and I think that's the, the we talk about the difference between quid pro quo and rule of reciprocity, right? right. Like when somebody asks you something, they, they feel obligated to give you something. It's a human condition, psychology, all that stuff. They feel obligated to give you something in return. And if you ask for it right then and there, it's easy. But most people are like, I can't give you a demo unless you give me this information. And then it becomes contentious. Right. But if you phrase it, and this is the phrase I try to help reps connect with, which is, look, I'm thrilled to give you a demo. I, I'm, I actually want to give you the exact thing you're looking for. And in order for me to do that, this is the information that I need from you. Yep. Absolutely. Doing this in your best interest. If you give me this, this is going to be, I'm going to give you something way better than just this. If you don't give me any information, right? Right. Right. Um, 
One more question that, that I have uh, is, is you've changed, again, changed the game when it comes to uh, prospecting and engagement, those type of things, by using Zoom for all your reps calls. Did, did sure. you told me a little while ago you mandate Zoom and you mandate the video part of Zoom, right? That's right. That's right. For the rep every single time. Could you walk me through why and how your reps do that so that it's not super weird and awkward? Yeah, it sometimes it's weird and awkward. Like I, we've had some people like turn on the camera and like still not look at the camera and still be like on their phone over here like this while we're doing a demo. But like whatever, I can't control all all humans, right? So, um, but the reason behind it is back to the point of like we're trying to make that human connection and 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 extend uh, ourselves as a as a servant to the to the customer coming through the front door. It's just like you would if you were in a retail store. You wouldn't turn your back on somebody or you wouldn't look them in the eye. You wouldn't walk up to them. uh, You wouldn't not walk up to them and ask them what they're looking for. Right. Mm -hmm. And we believe that if we can make that human connection, a lot of the barriers that usually are sprung up in a telephone conversation get dropped a little bit when when I'm looking you in the face and you're looking at me in the face. Unfortunately, you got to look at the beard today. But um, but you but you're looking but you're looking at each other and 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 you can show that genuine interest. And, you know, and you see the business behind me where real people, it's a real business, not a, like a sterile environment where everybody's acting the, their formal role. Because I think when that formality comes in is when everybody kind of shifts into whatever their perceived role should be. And if you're a salesperson and you don't think that buyers don't uh, understand how we're trained as salespeople to sell, uh, you got something else coming to you. I've seen it over and over again. They take sales classes to learn about um, how salespeople are selling these days so that they can better manage the conversation because they don't get what they need from salespeople most often. And so what we try to do is break the barrier down of formality and have a human conversation so that I can see if I can help you or not, right? And um, so we force people, and we say, if even if people don't have their camera on, turn your camera on and show your face. Yeah. Um, and we believe that it, it makes a material impact on how our sales calls go. So wait, you say that to the customer, even if they're, even that's off, or you say that to the rep. I tell the reps that, and the reps sometimes say it on the calls where they'll be like, "Hey, uh, I don't know if your camera's broken. If you got one of those security things on, usually we like to to see who we're talking to. But if that's not if that's not comfortable for you, we're cool too, right?" And it also know, now you know you're they're paying attention nine times out of ten when you're on. A, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to like to hear it. Nine oh. times out of ten when you're on a telephone sales call with somebody. They're probably doing something else. They're probably answering an email and they're half listening to you when they're, when they're exactly. And when they're, when the screen is on, they can't get away with doing that. You have their undivided attention for whatever period of time you got them for. Yeah, I love that. Cause it, again, it brings the human and, and you know this, right? The way that we communicate eight thirty five, fifty seven, eight percent is words, 35% is tonality and 57% is language. Yeah. It's all about right? language. Everybody knows, right? Uh, actually, we got three minutes. I got one more quick question. I'm very curious about when Drift started compared to where you are now. Yeah. I think um, when you started with the chatbot, right? Yep. You pretend to be human at first, and then realize that was a bad thing, and then switch to not like letting people know, look, I'm not a human. Because I know it, some chatbots. Yeah. I know some yeah. chatbots try to get away with, hey, let me help. And it was like, oh, look at this person. They're super responsive to me. And then midway through it, blatantly obvious that I'm talking to a computer yeah. would actually piss me off and turn me off. Yeah. You guys take the opposite approach. You're like, hey, I'm a computer. I'm not yeah. going to, you know what I mean? So, but we'll yeah. get to somebody. Like, did, was that a conscious decision? Or, or I'm sorry, did that happen to you? 
It, it was a conscious decision, and we didn't. We never approached it uh, the the call center way. A lot of that was from call center efficiency, right? We have a bunch of agents in a call center. They got to be able to reply, so we're going to use AI or, or or this bot technology to pretend like the humans already started the conversation, so yep. that we can uh, get the uh, response times down, so people don't feel like they're holding for so long. Right. And what we learned was that um, we took a chance and said, "Yeah, we're going to say it's a bot." And what we learned was. People don't mind talking to a bot if, A, they know they're talking to a bot, and B, they know that there's going to be a, only a short period of time that they're going to uh, talk to that bot before they get what they need. And getting what they need could be talking to a human. It could be just going to a, rerouted to a different part of the site, or it could be giving them a piece of content that they're looking for. Um, and so over time, using this technology, you can learn like what's on the mind of the visitor and what you should serve to them and how long they can tolerate talking to the bot. It could be just two or three questions. It could be five or six. The wrong thing to do is try to replace your sales process with a bot because it will not work. And people try it and it's we always advise not to. And then it, it goes really bad quickly. It's the same thing with everything else, right? Yeah. The email cadence tools, the the phone messaging, the, the auto dialers, the auto scripts. All of that. All that stuff. Like there's the human element of sales that will never go away. We That's just right figure out what that is. Um, and so with that, I, mean, I really appreciate this conversation because again, you got me thinking about a lot of different things here. Uh, I'm actually going to go and kind of one of these days when I have time, take this whiteboard and map out every single stage of the sales process and see if we can really identify like absolutely every nuance that we do as sales reps and then how to address that. Cause I love what you're doing with changing the conversation, the marketing and also changing the sales process. So I really appreciate you coming on board here. How can people find out more information about you and drift and all that stuff? What's the best way to catch yeah, just come, come to drift.com. Uh, if you want to connect with me, um, uh, Armen, A-R-M-E-N at drift.com. And if you want to connect on my calendar, it's team.drift.com slash Armen. Awesome. Actually, last quick question. You had Card. This is more of a personal thing. You had Cardone at your recent event, right? Uh, no, he's going to be at our September event. Yeah. Was, oh, so I thought he, he wasn't at the, I thought he came for Zoom when he was here for Zoom. Uh, oh, he, he spoke at, yeah, he spoke just last weekend or two weekends ago. Yeah, that's right. And that, and he was at the Zoom conference. You're right. All right. I want to talk to you later about uh, how that landed because yeah. I have my own percent. I have my own opinions Every, about Cardone. Everybody does. I did it. You know what I did uh, just to kind of clear the air is I went to a boot camp of his just to see for myself. I would recommend uh, if people are interested enough to go check it out. So it's worth oh, that might be that might be another topic for another day. Uh, that's absolutely another topic because my perception is one thing, and I, I hope it's different. I hope if like if I went to his boot camp, I'd be like, oh, this is actually some valuable shit. Yeah. Um, but I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, yeah, we'll catch up and then we'll we'll do another session on Cardo. I love awesome. it. All right, everybody. Well, thank you again for listening for for the engagement and everybody on the podcast. Please go check out Drift. They are one of the hottest, fastest, coolest companies, specifically here in Boston. So near and dear to my heart. Um, but again, I love the, the we're changing the game here. So go check out Drift, everybody. Again, make somebody happy this week. Do something cool. Get out of the ordinary shit. And, and you know, I don't know. Try to make somebody smile because there's too much negative shit going on these days. And uh, we will see you all next week. All right. Thanks again. Thanks, John. We'll see you.